This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to the Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg. Hey, in this episode, I have the pleasure of delving into the world of wine as it relates to the upcoming Super Bowl with sommelier Wynn Roberton. Now, for those of you who are a fan of the podcast, you will remember Wynn's been on before. But for those of you that are new, I'd like to introduce you to Wynn. Wynn's the uh, head sommelier at Bourbon Steak, located inside the Four Seasons Hotel in Washington, D.C. As head sommelier at Bourbon, Wynn has taken great pleasure in overseeing the wine team and the capital city's deepest cellar. And there's a lot more to Wynn. And if we had time, I'd get into it. But I want to jump right in and talk to Wynn about two of his favorite things, sports and wine. Wynn, welcome to the podcast. Scott, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be back. Very excited. Yeah, well, thanks for being here on such a snowy day in Washington. Yeah, you know, looking at about three inches right now, so it could be worse, I guess. Could be worse, could be Or better, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) That's right. So, Wynn, the Super Bowl is coming up, and as we know, a lot of people traditionally – uh, you know, get together and have wonderful blowout parties. I know that you're pretty famous for hosting a big one yourself. Yeah, we usually have a, a nice group of people over at the house, uh, you know, 30 to 50 people. But unfortunately, it's going to be a party of two this year. Uh, but there still will be food and wine uh, and football. So, so we're and looking I, forward to that. And I know I've been invited to a couple virtual Super Bowl parties myself. And of course, everybody's asking me, Scott, what should we, uh, what should we open for these virtual Super Bowl parties? And I guess it really just depends on A, who you're rooting for, and B, what are you serving? So I'd like to get let's start with the who you're rooting for first, Win. What do you what are you looking at in terms of a favorite this year? Oh man, who am I rooting for? Um I don't really have a strong preference. Um, I'm definitely not a Tom Brady hater. I think it's very cool to watch the greatest quarterback of all time in, in, in our lifetime. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind to see him get another ring. Um, but I think Patrick Mahomes is very exciting. So I'm kind of indifferent on who I want to win. And, you know, talking about a picking a winner, um, I think it's always very difficult to pick, you know, the winner of a game between two really great teams. So um, I'm just going to try to enjoy the game. Hope there's a lot of scoring and uh, and eat and drink. Wow. So at this point, I should probably mention again that Wynn is in Washington, D.C. and evidently is gearing up for his campaign because that was one of the most politically correct answers I have ever heard. <laughs> uh, different teams were involved. It would have been a little bit of a different answer. So. Uh, all right. Well, then let's talk about the food and wine people are going to be sharing for this uh, virtual Super Bowl party. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I love the whole uh, themed food based around the teams. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, and two pretty uh, awesome food cities um, featured in, in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Kansas City, obviously famous for its barbecue. And I think that there's a, a, a lot of uh, great options there. Um, from what I understand, Kansas City barbecue is generally, you know, has a little bit of like that thicker sauce um, covered um, over meats like brisket, uh, ribs, burnt ends, uh, kind of one of those specialties um, as well. So uh, a bit of a, a denser, uh, what I like to call it, more of a sappy style of red wine uh, to go along with those. Uh, great varieties that come to mind first and foremost is definitely Syrah. Um, looking at, uh, at wines from the Rhone Valley in, the, in France, uh, from appellations like Cornas in particular. Um, you can get really rustic, smoky, 
naturally kind of black peppery styles of wine uh, that generally have a nice fuller mouthfeel to them. Uh, and that's, that's a really nice kind of texture and flavor complement um, from the food and to the wine and vice versa. Uh, if you're a little bit more of a, of a new world uh, kind of drinker, uh, I think looking at things like uh, Zinfandel and some of the old style Zinfandel blends uh, from California uh, would be really nice. Um, one thing I've kind of fallen in, into love with recently are researching some of the older vine plots in California and, 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 and around the world. Uh, but I think it's really kind of cool to see that there are vines still from literally the 1800s producing wine um, in this country. So wines like uh, like the Turley Zinfandel, the Route 101 Vineyard, uh, Ridge Zinfandel from Geyserville. Um, I got to walk that vineyard a couple of years ago. It, it was just super, super yeah. cool uh, to see the, these vines that have been, you know, in these dusty roads for, for literally over 100 years uh, making wines. You know, when you have these older vines, the wines get much more, they get a little bit more dense. They have a little bit more depth. Uh, the finish tends to be a bit longer. And, you know, they tell a story at the same time, which is, you know, one, one thing wine is, wine is all about. Um, and so I, I would encourage people to check out the Historic Vineyard Society website um, just to see kind of where some of these wines are. And if you're interested, you know, you can kind of see who's making them and the stories behind them. Cool pictures, too, as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had the pleasure of walking some of those um, ancient vine vineyards uh, with Joel Peterson several years ago and talking about the traditional field blends that the original Italian immigrants would make. And, you know, we always thought they were Zinfandel, but it turns out there's a lot of other grapes in the field that got co-fermented with the Zin. And I agree, a lot of those wines really add some incredible depth. And we think of them as new world, but they're the old vine new world. For sure. Uh, so yeah, good call. I like that. What if we were, uh, by the way, just FYI, I'm actually smoking three racks of ribs, St. Louis style for the, uh, Super Bowl myself. And by the way, that's not an indication of who I'm rooting for. It's just <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things to make for Super Bowl. So I'm going to be very curious as to hear your specific recommendations later on about what I should be drinking with those ribs. I'm, I'm cool. I feel like I've got my own pocket sommelier here. Uh, switching over to Tampa Bay, what about uh, their foods? What what are we uh, looking at there? Sure. So, I mean, obviously, Cuban sandwiches are a big deal uh, yeah. in Tampa, um, as well as deviled crab, maybe more popularly known around here as a crab cake. A little bit different, but, you know, pretty similar if, if people aren't uh, totally familiar. I'm going to sound like a total som here and talk about Riesling for a second. Uh, <laughs> I think that um, when you're talking about the um, – uh, the Cuban sandwich, there's just so many Riesling friendly uh, aspects to it. Pork and Riesling are just uh, magic. Uh, that's one of my, one of my typical go-tos. And uh, as well, you know, you've got some Swiss cheese, pickles, a lot of kind of, you know, loosely Germanic kind of feeling to the ingredients done in a completely different way. Um, and then when you get that bread really crispy, uh, you know, a, a nice Riesling from the Mosul or the Rheingau in Germany. I love the cabinet styles, lower in alcohol, the Super Bowl party is a long event, so maybe you want something that's 7 or 9% alcohol um, as opposed to uh, something that might be hitting you over the head at 14 or 16 or something like that. And just a little bit of sweetness in the wine will really balance out. If you do make uh, your your crab a little bit spicy, that would be a nice balance. Um, and one, one other thing that uh, Tampa is known for is grouper. Um, you know, there's a, a, a big... Uh, a big popularity of grouper sandwiches around the beaches. 
Uh, it's one, you know, it's really easy to walk into a little shack and get a grouper sandwich. Uh, so that would be a nice pairing there. And I think that Shannon Blanc, which I think we'll talk about later, uh, I'm still shocked about how many people I talk to that have never heard of Shannon Blanc, the grape, um, hailing from the Loire Valley of France um, and has kind of spread all over the world. Was the most planted white grape in California until the 1980s. Uh, but that makes some really beautiful, crisp, uh, could be dry, could be a little off dry, really, really refreshing style of wine uh, that I think it's something to look out for. So grouper is my favorite fish and grouper sandwiches are awesome. It's mm-hmm. interesting. I, and I love Vouvray, which right. Shannon Blanc is, is from, from the Loire mm-hmm. is typically Vouvray. I love Vouvray. I would have never thought to put those two together and it makes complete sense. I love the idea. That's awesome. Just for fun, I, I made a Facebook post that just said Shannon Blanc is better than Riesling. Discuss, and it's my most commented Facebook post of all time. The just, just the uh, first of all, the anger from some sommeliers that I would say such a thing. Um, <laughs> oh, but you know, what they, they kind of do. Yeah, they do kind of serve the same purpose uh, in uh, in a lot of food pairings for sure. So um, I, I definitely encourage people to, to seek out Shannon as a uh, as 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 a really everyday drinking white wine. I think that's a great idea. And I have to tell you that when you mentioned the Cuban sandwich, the first thing that came into my mind was Riesling, um, particularly from Alsace. I absolutely adore those wines. And I thought, you know, I think a Riesling would go well with that. I would not have thought of Chenin Blanc, but the more I think about it, I just think that's just a really cool pick. Oh, thanks. But I think part of the problem with Chenin Blanc is that you're right. I don't think a lot of the wine drinking consumers really think about Chenin Blanc. And you know, I don't really see it stocked on a lot of store shelves, at least not as prominently as Chardonnay, for example. Yeah, it is a shame, but um, that's why we have this podcast, to let people know. That's right. And hopefully a lot of people are just going to run out after listening to this and buy up all the Chenin Blanc on the shelves. So, when now that we're talking about these wines, I got to ask you, what's in your glass? Uh, so, uh, speaking of Chenin Blanc, uh, a wine that I, I really love uh, from South Africa, which is very well known for Chenin Blanc, uh, is the Ramukta uh, Honey Bunch Chenin Blanc. Uh, Ramukta is a family estate uh, in the Stellenbosch region, uh, just outside of Cape Town. Um, and they make two different Chenin Blancs. This is a really interesting kind of winemaking technique that they use here. They have one vineyard of Chenin Blanc on their estate, and they harvest the grapes on the outside of the vines earlier, and then they harvest the grapes on the inside of the vine that are much more shaded and a bit more underripe. And they actually harvest those later, which is a little backwards until you think about it. But they separate these grapes. They take the underripe grapes, uh, ferment a really crisp, clean, dry, unoaked style called First Light. Um, that goes into a Stelvin, uh, released pretty soon, very, very easy to drink. And then this other... A uh, cuvee called Honey Bunch. They make from these much more golden colored grapes, maybe a little bit of botrytis to give it a little bit more of a honey uh, note to it. It's fermented dry as well. Um, and it sees a little bit of oak. So it has a little bit more of a creamy, lush mouthfeel. Um, I think the wine is is stunning. And then the Chenin natural acidity really kind of makes your mouth water, makes you want to drink more, eat more. Um, and Chenin Blanc always has this kind of funky like peach skin type of flavor and it has uh, like i said the acidity that just lingers and lingers so um it's just a really really refreshing wine and i would uh like also to say that um it's kind of important that we support south africa's wine industry right now because they're currently in their third lockdown from covid 
to include a ban of all alcohol sales throughout the country. Wow. So they, they are, they are struggling uh, to say the least. So I've been a big fan of South African wine in general for a while. And I think that now, now more than ever is the time to, to check them out for mm-hmm. sure. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the Honey Bunch Chenin Blanc is fantastic. It is definitely available in the DC area and it's affordable. It retails for 20 to $25. Cool. Is there a particular vintage for this one? Uh, I had the 2019. That would be the current vintage from South Africa. Yeah. Well, in addition to the PSA you just gave for South African wine, uh, which I appreciate, sometimes we get a little nerdy on the podcast and you mentioned a, a term of art called botrytis. Uh, yeah. Can you just take two seconds and tell our listeners what's botrytis? What is that? Sure. Botrytis is a beneficial fungus uh, that grows on grapes later in the season. And what it does is it extracts water out of the grapes. So the sugar gets much more concentrated. Grapes that are affected with botrytis are generally made into dessert wines, uh, but they can be fermented into dry wines, which they are around the world. Um, and it gives the wine a saffron, ginger, a honey, dried floral note uh, that's really, really enticing. Um, if you think of something like Sautern, um, that that is a wine that is always made with botrytis affected grapes. So I love the term of art, beneficial fungus. <laughs> Just... <laughs> it's a slippery slope because, you know, mold doesn't sound any better, but that's what it is. <laughs> so go ahead and uh, do me a favor. Take a sip of that beautiful wine and, sure. and tell me what you're getting out of it. Really, really pure stone fruit. Um, like I was talking about the peach skin, the peach flesh, even like a little bit of the peach pitch and in Blanc oxidizes very easily. So you almost always have a bit of a nutty note. Uh, that might turn a little bit bitter, but I think that's refreshing uh, for my palate uh, for sure. Uh, a little bit of creaminess from the oak, just a slight bit of that honey. Um, that the dried florals are coming through on on this vintage a little bit more, which is really really pretty. Uh, like some like purple flowers, like lilac, or um, maybe a little bit of dried honeysuckle, something like that. Um, and like I said. The, the acidity on Chenin Blanc just grows and grows and grows and grows. You don't notice it at first. And then you're kind of, you know, drowning in saliva to, <laughs> to, 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 to put it rudely. Um, but that's just what Chenin Blanc does. You know, um, I am not thirsty, but I want to drink more uh, from when, when I drink this wine. And again, this is a great pairing for that Cuban sandwich or the doubled crab. And of course, grouper sandwich. It's Absolutely. That's yeah. where we're and going the, with the, Tampa the, Bay. The minerality. Yeah. The minerality really comes through. Stellenbosch is full of granite. Um, and I always find that granite has a really strong finish uh, to a wine. That's definitely coming through here. Very cool. Well, let's switch teams and cities for just a moment. And let's head on over sure. to Kansas City and assume we're going to do some barbecue. And you were talking about that sauciness that's uh, typically known as a mop. And in my mop, I usually have a little sweet and a little heat uh, to go on my ribs towards the last hour or so of, of smoking. So it kind of gets this really interesting caramelization on the ribs, but um, I'm getting kind of that little uh, back end of cayenne pepper. So I'm really curious as to what you think would be a great match for that. Sure. So I was talking about Syrah and Zinfandel and stuff like that. I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn and talk about another great uh, people might not have heard of it. So it's, uh, it's called Tanat. Uh, it's T-A-N-N-A-T, or Tanat, depending on how you might like to say it. Um, a grape that is indigenous to southwestern France, uh, Basque area of Spain, somewhere around there. Um, has a seminal home in Uruguay, uh, but also has found a really nice home right here in Virginia. And so I've got the 2016 Michael Schatz uh, Tanat from the Monticello AVA, which is just west of Charlottesville. 
Wow, um, you did take a left turn. <laughs> yeah, I, not not necessarily in, in geography, maybe, but definitely not in wine style because Tanat makes a big, yeah. brooding, really mouth coating, tannic uh, style of of red wine, and um, I think that it is doing some really great things as Virginia is still kind of making their way through, you know, vineyard experimentation. Cabernet Sauvignon does well in some vintages and makes wine that's undrinkable in other vintages. So um, I think that, you know, they're really experimenting with, with a lot of different grapes and they're, they're, they're focusing on, you know, Petit Verdot, Tanat, uh, wines that can make really big red wines and grow here um, at the same time. Uh, but Michael Schaps is a really interesting uh, story also. He's one of the very few Americans that learned how to make wine at the Viticultural School in Bone in Burgundy. Um, and, and on top of being a super nice guy, he has now a winery and vineyard holdings in Burgundy as well as uh, in Virginia. So he's, cool. he's traveling the world and, and doing a lot of really fun stuff and was a very, very important winemaker in the growth of the current Virginia winemaking industry. He was consulting winemaker, a lot of wineries now uh, that are, that are doing very well with their own winemaker now. So. Right. And it should probably be noted that he is uh, a perennial winner of the Virginia governor's cup wine competition yeah. year in, year out. He's usually got one or two wines in the top 10, if I recall that correctly. Yeah. This, this one, the 2015, uh, I believe was in the, the last governor's cup or maybe the previous governor's cup, but um, yeah, the 2015 Senate was definitely uh, listed there for sure. And so what are you getting out of this one? Uh, I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, and again, by the way, I love your suggestions. I love that sommeliers think outside of the typical box, because I got to tell you, I probably would have gone with Syrah or Zin. Uh, and, and with Tampa Bay, I probably would have gone with a Riesling. So I love the fact that you brought up Shannon Block, and I love the fact that you're bringing up Tanat. These are two wines that we typically you know, wouldn't think of. And to have an opportunity to talk about them and even maybe go out, buy them and try them with the Super Bowl pairings. I think it's just really a, a fantastic idea win. And I'm, I applaud you for picking these two wines. So that's 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 one of the great things about wine. You know, you, you, you get to, you know, quote, see the world through through wine. So and you don't even have to go anywhere. So and I always encourage people that if they're thinking about drinking something different, either at home or at the restaurant. Um, that, that, that they should do so, you know, um, it's, uh, life is short, drink, drink as many different wines as you can. So I'm sorry, yeah, before but... you get into tasting this wine, I just want to tell everybody a quick story about one of the first times I met you at bourbon steak in a professional role. I was with three other guys and we were, um, of course having steak and everybody was looking at the wine list and thinking about Cabernet Sauvignon and you came over. I don't know if you remember this story. It's actually really cool. And you asked, well, what, what is the style that you like in a wine? And one of the guests was describing what he liked in a wine. And you said, oh, you want a Syrah. <laughs> it, was just, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. And that always stuck with me because a lot of times we think that we want one thing and what we're really doing is describing another. So, and yeah. we had, by the way, you brought over a beautiful Syrah. We had a wonderful evening. It was perfect with what we were all enjoying that night. So just a quick kind of an aside about how talented you really are and wanted to just sneak that in there before you describe this wine. So the first thing, I mean, even before you smell or taste the wine, Tanat has a, just a ton of color. Um, it wow. is like yeah. super dark magenta purple. As you spin the glass around it, uh, it, it just coats the entire uh, glass, a, a really beautiful uh, violet color. 
Um, but on the nose, Tanat is um, very red and dark fruited um, generally. So there's a lot of really ripe raspberries, uh, blackberries. It's, it's definitely a little bit jammy, um, you know, not over the top. It doesn't smell like candy or anything like that. It just smells like some really, really nicely cooked down fruit. And uh, Tanat always has uh, some florals to talk about. Um, there are some really beautiful, exotic wildflower notes um, that I think, you know, could, could, can make you forget about drinking the wine and just smell it for too long. Yeah, I mean, this wine is, I mean, it, this wine is so well made, you know, the, the, when you get a, a Tanat, the tannins can really bite at you and, and be a little bit unforgiving at times. But um, I think that the structure on this wine is really, really well integrated. Um, whatever my, I, I, I am not a winemaker, but whatever Michael has done on this wine um, with the combination of the oak, giving it a little bit more of that toasty, smoky kind of espresso flavors um, coupled with, you know, a little bit of like a, um, a little bit of like a Bordeaux kind of green, maybe some, a, a little bit of like a, a stemmy action to it. Uh, just give it a little bit more structure and a little bit more depth of savory flavors. Um, I think this wine is, is awesome. Um, I will say that I opened this wine for dinner last night, so I'm just kind of finishing it with you um, right now. Uh, this is definitely a wine that needs to be decanted uh, for sure. Um, and it's also a wine, like almost all red wines, that need to be drank uh, cooler than most people do. Uh, that's, that's one of my things. Um, you know, when, if, you're, if you're cooking, the first things that you do need to be turning on the oven to preheat it as soon as, 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 soon as you start, assuming you're baking something, and throwing your red wine in the refrigerator. 15 minutes or so, just chill it down a little bit and you're going to have a much more pleasurable experience. Wine at the end of the day is a beverage, right? It needs to be refreshing. And a wine like this at uh, only 13.7% alcohol, I say that only, I mean, what kind of a world do we live in these days? But um, a higher alcohol red wine uh, will come much more into balance after it's been chilled a little bit. And, you know, great restaurants like Bourbon Steak, we have all of our reds at temperature, but that is not, you know, possible um, for a lot of people at home, a lot of other restaurants. Uh, so um, don't be afraid to ask for a red wine to be put on ice for a little while um, if it's not at temperature or just over in the fridge at home for about 15 minutes, half an hour. You know, so ideally, nice what, do you, experience. what do you think in 65 degrees, ideally, was a yeah. decent temp? Yeah, 65 for sure. Um, they come out of our cooler at 55 um, at the restaurant and then, mm -hmm. and then they warm up a little bit, um, especially if they get to Canada and that'll warm them up a little bit faster. But yeah, 65, I think is, is perfect. Very cool. And you think this would be a great match with barbecue? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the mouthfeel, it has a little bit of that sticky sappy thing that I was talking about, um, or earlier, um, and definitely like those smoky notes, um, to match up with meat. Um, and it has some really nice, uh, bright acidity. Um, it's not flabby. It is a big red wine at the end of the day it will balance out, you know, all of the, the, the fatty pieces of brisket or uh, pulled pork, whatever you might be having on Very Sunday. Cool. And you mentioned it's from Virginia. How tough is that going to be to find in, in and around the DC area or uh, other parts of the country for that matter of fact? Other parts of the country, probably pretty difficult, unfortunately. Um, you know, whenever I meet sommeliers and other wine types from around the country, I always, I, I almost always make a point to ask them if they know anything about Virginia wine. And unfortunately the answer is usually no. Um, so, um, but around here, um, it should be available. Um, you can all, if you are near Charlottesville, you can definitely drive down to Michael Schaap's wine works, um, and see what they have in stock down there. I don't know off the top of my head, unfortunately.
Um, That's okay. But, you know, we also mentioned Syrah and Zen. So for people who are not in the the DMV, as we call it, right, the District, Maryland, Mm -hmm. Virginia area, there are other opportunities for them to, to go pick up some old vine or ancient vines ends and, and Syrahs and, and have an enjoyable match with that barbecue. But if you are in the DMV, please try to find this wine. It really is remarkable. And he is a remarkable winemaker and we'd love to support the Virginia wine movement. Absolutely. They are doing some really world-class stuff. And again, remind our listeners, what were the two wines we had in the vintages? Sure. So the white wine was the 2019 Remukta. I'll, I'll spell that for you. R-E-M-H-O-O-G-T-E. Uh, it is their 2019 Honey Bunch Chenin Blanc from Stellenbosch. And the red was the 2016 Michael Schaps Tanat from the Monticello AVA in Virginia. Very cool. Well, when those are excellent picks, and even though you went tell me your specific pick for the Super Bowl. I think having the food and wine pairings is pick enough. And I just want to thank you for taking this time to be with me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Scott. It was it was a pleasure as always. Good to see you again. You too. Take care. That'll do it for this episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. This episode was produced by Sarah Beth Hensley, and the music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Lebowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Don't forget to catch my Wine of the Week shows every Friday on WTOP and WTOP.com. And remember, until the next time, do good, drink well. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.